Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. Recorded live from Vision High Tech Training and Expo in Kansas City, Lucas and I are joined by Phil Norville, the owner of Max Built Off-Road and Manufacturing in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and Jamie Kane, brand specialist at Legends Marketing. We discuss what it's really like to build the vehicles you see at SEMA, shops tearing other shops down, branding, marketing, and Web 3.0. Before we get started, if you're on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode when it drops. And make sure you check out our content on YouTube. All you have to do is search for ASOG Podcast. Now, here we go. So y'all got to tell us who you are, because a lot of our listeners don't know. <clears throat> Fair enough. So my name is Phil Norvold from Max Built Off-Road and Manufacturing in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Been a shop owner since 2008. Very cool. Very cool. I started in 2007. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. My name is Jamie Kane. I work for Legends Marketing, which works closely with the TechNet program, and Very Phil cool. is my boss. Very <laughs> cool. And so you're the one who sends me all the cool coffee cups and stuff, so <laughs> yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Um, that's the whole reason we had you on the podcast, because I was hoping to get a couple more awesome <laughs> TechNet mugs. Well, we didn't bring any with us. So. Oh, man. Okay, all right, Jamie, get out. go. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we met through that TechNet group, Yep. right? And um, you've been super active in it. And yep. really talk a lot about the networking and the the unity that that group brings. And it's pretty cool because there's a lot of people from all over the country. And you guys have been to a lot of different shops, right? What's your takeaway? Like as a shop owner, you're going to all these shops. What are you, what are what, you seeing? The biggest thing, uh, well, the biggest thing I think I saw was def- definitely the need for that social media group. You know, the cool thing about social media uh, especially the, is the how connected we can be, right, and how much we can learn from each other. Because yeah. stopping by shops when I was traveling, 
Um, granted, it was to to help see if there's anything I could do to help them, but also yeah. selfishly help me. Right. Um, I don't like to do things the hard way anymore. Right. I've done everything wrong. I'm trying to figure out how to do it right. right. And if I can learn from other shops, um, and if I can cut my learning curve down, I'm going to do that. Definitely. Um, so my my takeaway is, I mean, they're insurmountable. They just yeah. There's not one in particular, but right. Well, so I don't know if you listen to the podcast, and and we've told this story over and over again. But but years ago, um, I went to a, a training event much like this one, right? And I had said, "Look, I'm done." I'm closing the shop. I'm going to go become a technician. I don't want to do this anymore. The stress is too much. I, this is like a really bad job, right? Like right. I'm not making any money, so there's no reason to do this. And so I went to this training event, and coming out of the training event, I realized that I needed more help than what the training event had. It wasn't mm-hmm. that the, the information was bad. I just realized all of a sudden I didn't know a lot of things that I needed to know. And so I joined our Facebook group, ASOC, and that's when, like, you know, David reached out and we started making little changes when we did that, we were doing $14,000 a month in two and a half days. Same shop, same size staff, everything. Right now, we do one twenty-five a month. Right. Right? And it just, it wasn't like huge changes. It wasn't like earth-shattering knowledge. It was little, stupid, silly things that I was doing. You know, it was like three weeks, and David had us from, you know, a $15,000 a month, just with advice as a shop owner, to a twenty-five and $30,000 a month. Dude, that's a big deal. When you can't pay your bills... $10,000, $15,000 makes a hell of a difference. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. You know? And it just takes little things like that. So, Well, in doing what you're doing, I'm, I'm sure you also um, get some of those same uh, – the, the takeaways by doing your podcasts yeah. and do, doing your group. Like it's one thing to learn things. Um, you really believe them when you can start teaching them or interacting yeah. or sharing with others. Absolutely. And I think that's a big part of it. Um you know, having a place to be able to uh, comfortably talk about like the good things, the not good things, right? Specifically, the not good things. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because then you can get different people's opinions, right? And and or share an experience that might cement what you thought yeah. you wanted to do or a change that you needed to make. But until you said it and then yeah. got some feedback on it. Right. You wouldn't know. Exactly. So. And and like sometimes you'll say something and you'll think, meh, and you say it to a group and they're like, uh, what the hell are you talking about? Right. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, okay. That yep. may, you know, okay, I won't do that then. And, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> right. And and we see a ton of that. And I, I think, you know, Facebook can be a volatile place, but we see a ton of that in the TechNet group. Um, and we see a ton of that in ASOG. ASOG's a little more aggressive about raise your rates and, and yep. charge what you need to charge. And I know that some of the TechNet members, we've seen some uh, migration into the into ASOG and seen some of those begin to grow and get better and do more things. But we've seen some of the TechNet members who were hesitant to change, hesitant for growth, hesitant to say, yep. you know, they look at Advance and they say, I can't believe this. CarQuest is, is charging this for their parts. I can't charge that. And they don't focus on the fact of what they need to do with their business. They don't focus exactly. on what their margins there's need a, to There's be. a responsibility note that yeah. needs to be taken away uh, yeah. above all else. And I think our group is really good about giving that perspective and right. as well as keeping it open. And not, I mean, nobody's, nobody's bashing anybody or anything. Exactly. But at the yeah. same time, it's like there's been plenty of posts where we Jamie calls it self-healing. Right. Um, where the right people step up um, – and in a constructive way, try to guide yeah. that thought and say, you know, at the end of the day, it isn't about what you're paying. Yeah. It 
it might not feel great to have to tell your customer. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Customer, but that's that's not anybody's fault other than their car's broke. Exactly. I it just needs to be fixed. I didn't buy it. I didn't right. build it. I didn't break it. Right. All I can do is fix it. You yeah. know, that's the extent of it. Um, so, you know, you guys kind of started this marketing thing. Tell us a little bit about the marketing thing. It, honestly, our business, uh, when, when we started MaxBuilt, um, I, I guess I got to give a little bit on MaxBuilt to kind of get yeah. to how we got to, to Legends. But, um we we've always been heavy in social media presence um we have three revenue streams in our business one is a we manufacture product uh two is general repair and maintenance and then we do uh we call them dream builds or epic builds or but um frame up ground off and if you dream it we can build it right stuff <clears throat> well to start from nothing in a small town in wisconsin as a shop to build blank check builds, well, there's you need some national notoriety. Mm-hmm. You also need some some sort of clout to know that what you're doing. Right. Um, and and I wanted to build some products for some of the vehicles that I liked, but to do that, it was like everything needed everything else to work. Right. So like our first big leap was we went to Moab, Utah's Easter Jeep Safari in 2008 with a product. Mm-hmm. That I had, I had designed through my time at school, actually in a lot of classes with Jamie. Um, That's and, cool. Yeah, That's really you know, cool. And so uh, it we 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 made some national contacts at that event. Uh, I think I sold one product to a guy in Canada in Canadian cash because I just needed a sale to feel better. <laughs> right. I lost my I lost some on that, but whatever. Um, and and so then you know then coming back then it was nights and weekends wrenching on, you know, fuel pumps and S10 blazers or, you know, right. uh, anything, anything I right. could do to then try to help get the word out about that. Hey, we also build these Jeeps. So building a lot of my own stuff, um, and then traveling, we saw a lot, we, these events that we would go to just to be there and, and network, we didn't see like monetary, a lot of people were going there and selling their wares. We weren't 
selling as much as we had hoped in the moment. Right. But we would get a lot after that. Well, then, you know, we'd bring our whole crew um, and we try to make a little bit of a an impact wherever we're going, whether yeah. just through fun at the events or whatever. Um, and it was important for me because I work with a lot of good friends um, and we all have a very similar hobby that we don't want to lose why we're here. Um, right. And right. so that that was so traveling to these events. Well, not getting monetary gain right away. I mean, it's like, man, I, we can't just travel the country, have fun all the time. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but that answer wasn't good enough for me either because I wanted to. Right. So, right. So we're like, well, how can we <clears throat> we can do this? Well, we and we had been approached um, for some reality TV stuff, mm-hmm. um, and we were pretty close to doing something there. And then um, they, the year before COVID, Discovery Channel went through a bunch of changes in the way that yeah. people were streaming or people were streaming. Yeah. And so they were going through changes, so they had a lot of cutbacks and whatnot, and so our stuff got tabled. Um, but through that, we we learned a lot, and we worked real close with, with um, the marketing team in advance. And I realized that we're really good at um, promoting without promoting, right? You know, not not yeah. overselling it. Not, we just we just do our thing, and it gravitates towards people. Right. through social media, through these events. And honestly, trade shows and events are just like the real life version of social media. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. so so we were <clears throat> we met with uh the advanced team and I said I think I have some ideas for Technet because I was uh, as a Technet shop owner super intrigued by the the opportunity yeah. that Technet has and the um the ability what we can offer our customers mm-hmm. by being by being banded together um, uh, to so that it's similar to the big boxes, you know. Right. Um, it gives us a leg up. It allows us to stand proud with the integrity we have as a small privately owned shop. Yeah. Um, but then uh, get like I said, get these answers and these resources. And there was an opportunity for us while we were traveling to humanize the brand a little bit more. Yeah. By definitely. stop by these TechNet shops, by doing TechNet tours, right. by getting everybody's opinions and getting kind of things rolling. Well, to do that, I needed to make make sure that I protected the identity of Max Built too. I yeah. didn't want to lose it. Um, and I couldn't think of anybody better than Jamie to, to bring over and kind of head up um, any of our involvement with this corporate company or or any other business that we, you know, right. have an opportunity to, to do marketing with. Um, it separates Max Built so it can be so, its own entity. Yeah, we'll continue doing yeah. our own thing. We're, like right. that, our own thing is what has gravitated us. But then this allows that business to kind of uh, focus on the strengths um, yeah. that, because like Jamie and I share a lot of the same viewpoints as far as how how we market, how things are marketed. Right. Um, and we, I have a business to try them out in. Um, <laughs> she's got a business. You know, her right. her and her husband own a business too. Right. So they can kind of. Uh, the thing, the practice of what we preach, right? Right. Well, what's so neat about it, and the reason that I kind of connected with it was is because it's organic, right? That's, and so, you know, David and I talk all the time, like, you can look at the podcast numbers. If someone's genuinely organic and they're nice people and they want to talk and they're they're fun to talk to, the podcast episode does well. It right. doesn't work if it's not organic. Now, there's some people who do the, or, the, the is polished the word I'm looking for? Sure. Yeah, polished, <laughs> very well refined, very 
I'm but, with you. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't seem to resonate as well with the generation we're living in right now. 100%. Right? Like the people that I connect with, like I spend my weekends on YouTube. I'm not like, you know, and I, I, I want to hear somebody say I screwed up. It makes me feel better about myself. That's why I'm friends with this guy. <laughs> well, and I think the other reason too is that you can sniff out in or like unorganic, yeah. unorganic content a mile away. Yeah. So, and that's especially on like TikTok, you can sniff out an ad. Yeah. Without even watching it for more than a second. Yes. So I think it has a lot to do, like, the group does really, really well because it is organic. Everyone's yeah. being super real. And when you have something like a podcast and it's overly done, yeah, people are like, well, it's not real. I, I don't, yeah. you know, I want someone that I can relate to more than anything. Exactly. Yeah. Too, too much structure can, can almost devalue. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And like with the marketing in our shop, if I take it to that ad level, I see a drop in effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I stay somewhere where it's organic and we're doing videos of the guys, you know, Braxton, who does some of the video in the shop, if you go watch the, the YouTube videos for the shop, we don't we don't focus on YouTube for the shop or anything like that. It's really just a host for the videos on our website. But you hear him ask questions and you hear us laugh and, and go back and forth, that organic dialogue. Right. And everybody connected with that, right? right? People come into this day. It was two years ago. They come into this day and say, I came in because I heard you laugh, right? Mm -hmm. I came in because Shannon said that he liked Girl Scout cookies, you know? And it's like, well, you know, there is a big table of Girl Scout cookies behind him. And, and we found that to be far more effective. Like you can actually watch the numbers drop when you go into conventional marketing. Well, it brings a level of interest, yeah. right? Because again, it's all relatable. Like, oh, well, I like Girl Scout cookies too. That's really cool. Like, I wonder what his favorite flavor is. And it starts getting right. them thinking about something different. Yeah. But if it's all, if it's business only, no one's going to have fun listening to that. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, it's kind of like I always make fun of the uh, the uh, medical ads, right? Like, because it gives you this long list of terms and conditions and all the things that could happen to you if you take this. I want to do that. Right. What are you talking about? I'm not, I'm Is that juice worth the squeeze? Right. Know. Are you are you trying to sell your product? Or are you trying to tell us not to take it? Which one is it? Which one is oh, it? Well, that's for the lawyers. Got uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We had uh, uh, every Tuesday morning. Uh, we call it mornings with Max Built. Uh, we have our shop meeting. We go over our numbers, sales, whatnot, um, roundtable. I cook breakfast, um, and so I do a Facebook Live every Tuesday morning. At like 745-ish uh, <laughs> on our Max Built page where I've got a like a little commercial-sized uh, griddle in, in the break room. And so I'm just cooking bacon and just chatting with customers uh, about awesome. about whatever. It doesn't, like there's right. – again, it's – like the things that we talk about are – well, we know that I'm going to cook bacon. We know that, that I'll probably talk about the weather. And right. other than that, it's like wherever – uh, wherever the, the comments go. Well, one time, uh, somehow we got on the topic of didgeridoos, like the Australian, like uh -huh. musical instrument. And Adam, uh, my right hand kind of wandered in and w was like, well, I could play the didgeridoo. And it was like, somebody was like, I'd love to see that. Well, that afternoon, a client came in and had bought a didgeridoo, <laughs> brought it in and dropped it off when he dropped his Jeep off. And uh, so I saw that, and uh, now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> and so, like uh, Adam, uh, I mean, he's he's 
not that great at it really at all. <laughs> he plays it every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes it fun to go to work every day. Yeah. Yeah. I want my customers to come in and, and have a sense of connection. Number one, I always feel like I have to attribute what we're doing to like why it's financially responsible for the business and blah, blah, blah. So I guess I would say that by doing these things, when they come in, they're more trusting and yeah. that when we do present the bill at one time or at the end or whatever, or if it had to be more because it was rusty or whatever, right. um, it's easier. That's not why we do it. But it helps. <laughs> because it's fun, right? Right, exactly. So let me ask you this. Like you started this. You got started with the, the videos or the, the live stream. My question is, did it just instantly have popularity or did it take time to build up the popularity? It now it's like Taco Tuesday at the at the outset. So my I don't know what I was doing, but uh, my wife is also like very uh, she's a she's a muse for a lot of these ideas and thoughts, and uh, she's pretty in tune with what's going on in the social media world too. And she was watching some gal drink coffee and fold laundry, <laughs> and I'm like, I walk by, I'm like, what is that? She's like, I don't know, but I'm hooked on it. And I just want to know what she has to say. Um, she's like, you should do something like that. And I was like, I'll try it. Yeah. And I did it. And I know that like everything is about consistency. Yeah. So then it was, okay, when can I do it? I'd love to say, let's have a whiskey chat every Wednesday. Right. I don't know if that's possible, but I do know that we're going to have a meeting at the shop every Tuesday. And I ask the guys to get there a little bit early so I can make that, I can make that work in my schedule. That's something that, that we talk a lot about when you're, when it comes to social media marketing and scheduling, it has to be realistic yeah. to work so that it doesn't have to feel forced right. and not organic. Well, and see, that's so huge is because so many shop owners, and we've seen this over and over again, they'll start marketing and they'll do like one or two things. And they're like, it's not working. Mm -hmm. I quit. Yeah. I'm out. Right. No, nah, dude, that's not how it works. Like you have to work at this. It has to be consistent. If you give up after three times because you didn't get the response you wanted, because you didn't have the views you wanted, Dude, it's never going to work. Right. It has to be something you do over and over again. Now, look, by the 15th or 20th one, if you don't have anybody watching it, it still says zero on the viewer count. Right. Change so up your content. Yeah, something's got to change. Well, yeah. This is something that I say I probably on a daily basis is that persistence is key. Like yeah. you, like you said, it's just doing it over and over and over and then making small tweaks and small changes right. so that you can, you can see – what does well and where your audience resonates with you. Yeah, That's I agree. Huge. I agree. And, and, you know, so I've got a business coach. One of the things that he did during COVID is he made a pact or a little thing where all of his clients had to go make a video. And, dude, they hated it. It was like <laughs> pulling teeth. I mean, no, I'm not I'm I, on camera. No, I'm not doing that. And slowly, one by one, they would do it one right after another. And as they did it, they got more and more comfortable doing it. So to those who are saying, I can't do it, just try it, right? Give it a little bit of time. Get on camera. Maybe we're just idiots. We make fools of ourselves on camera all the time. Might have something to do with the editor. Did you finish Tech Metrics video? No. <laughs> we'll get to it. When? Next week, I said. <laughs> Don't watch our YouTube channel. <laughs> Unless you want to see me flicking people off. It was actually flicking David off. <laughs> you recorded it and sent it. It's on you. <laughs>
So um, I made this mistake a while back. David comes to me and he says, hey, I'm going to start doing the video editing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I said, okay, I tell you what, I'm not the creative type. You do whatever you want. You have creative control. Of all the things that have been uttered out of my mouth in my entire life, that was the dumbest thing I could have ever said. You know that, right? You've got to go watch some of his videos. I'll check it out for sure. I didn't know you could make me look more, like more of a fool than I make myself look, but you've done a fantastic job. Oh, you always leave that to other people. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, kind of back to the TechNet group, and, and yeah. you said something that, that resonated with me a little bit ago. Uh, you're talking about, A, the connection that gives us more of a, a big box ability. Mm-hmm. Not that we're big box stores, but it gives us more of a big box ability. One of the things I find interesting about that is in so many ways, it gives us a net of security that I think is unique, right? Mm-hmm. In ASOG, one of the things we keep seeing is shops are throwing under other shops under the bus, right? And the more that we build the TechNet membership and we actually build some unity to those who are active in it, there's much less of a chance if you call that 1-800 number and you have to go to a TechNet shop, they're going to throw you under the bus. And I got to be real. There is a real problem with shops throwing other shops under the bus, right? And stuff that they didn't do, right? It was just a different process. Well, they shouldn't have charged you to test that. Yeah, I, get, I, I don't like that. <laughs> That's right? tough. To, it's tough to read because you just want to be like, nobody's the expert. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Are you going to say anything? Or Unless you, you are. You I, the I'm the one trash in the shop. So what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear it. So they shouldn't charge the test. Though. That's sketchy. It was just a fuse. <laughs> who were we talking to about that? Uh, who was it? It was, yesterday. Know, it was just a fuse. We've seen those news channel stories. Pull they take, pull the fuse. Jonathan White. Was that who it was? Yeah. And they pull the fuse out and then they take it into the shop. And then it's always the the hero shop that just looks under the hood and says, oh, it's just the fuse. There you go. Right, yeah. And they hand the keys back to the customer, and they, they didn't even charge me anything. And they go to the other shop. shop's like, no, I need to bring it in. We need to do a diagnostic process. It's $150. We'll do a full inspection. They're like, oh, they, they want to charge me for just a fuse. All this money. Ugh. It's it was manipulation. the bad shop. Right. Well, that's the... No, it's kind of like the, I want you to tell us who's the bad shop. Well, no, that, <laughs> I got to think about because I get it. It's like you're not paying me for the years, you know, or you're yeah. paying me for the years, not not the 30 seconds that it took me to figure out it was a fuse. Right. That shop just had an opportunity, knew it, and they made a decision. I've made those. I've made those same decisions. Yeah. I've also made the decision to pull it in. Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't. Who's doing the disservice to the customer though? I don't think. I've ne- never been there before. You haven't looked at the vehicle. They're telling you it's got a check engine line. You pull the code and it's a mass airflow sensor. It's an infinity. Okay. Yep. Notorious, right? For mass airflow sensor problems, the infinity and Nissans. So, I mean, it could be a fuse, but it could also be a thousand other things. I have no idea. Right. Let's go through our process because we Absolutely. have a process. The shop that just popped the hood and looked under they the got fuse lucky. box cover. Yeah, they got lucky, but they don't have a process. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm the owner. I'll just check it out. Like, you know. They don't have expenses. They don't, they're not paying good technicians, right? They have helpers. Right. And so 15 helpers running around, you know, doing whatever. And the one person that can actually look and see and figure out how, what it needs quickly, then inspect the vehicle. Vehicle pulls out, wheel falls off. 
Those folks right. does it. Exactly. Mark just had it at the shop. The same shop that didn't change me for a f- charge me for a fuse, yeah. but exactly. didn't catch the fact that you know. Why wouldn't you have looked at that? Right. M- massive oil. That's leak typically the, how it goes. <laughs> right. Oh, well, right. That's typically Mark how it goes. Up. Absolutely. The news story though doesn't say any of that. <laughs> no, I'm with you 100. percent No, and that's what, that that is my gut. My gut is not the one. Like, sure, it, I'm sure that made that one customer feel good, but that shop got lucky. Period. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And and the problem is, is just like he said, the news story doesn't tell the whole story, right? They don't show that client expectation of hey. I expect you to hold some liability for this. I expect you to stand behind it if something goes wrong, right? It's unspoken expectations. I expect my car to be safe. Now, look, I, I see us as professionals. It's my job to make sure your car's safe and reliable. That's what I do. I don't just come in and fix one problem. When you bring me your car, I'm making sure it is safe and reliable for you and your family. Yep. That's my job. At the extent of it. Now, obviously, you in a custom world, that's a little bit different, right? But, you know, oh, yeah. for us, that's a big deal because how many cars do you see on the road today that aren't safe? And how many times have we had a conversation with an owner of a vehicle and said, look, I don't think I would fix this. And they go down the street and Bob's Auto fixes it. Oh, no. They, they fixed it for $200 and you told me you'd sell it. Well, yeah, the frames broke and the, the brake lines are rusted out. I told you that because it wasn't worth your money to properly fix it to make it safe. Yep. But here comes Bob and Bob just says, oh, I'll take your $200. I don't care. Who, who's the jackass now? Right? right. They look at you like you're the problem. It's not fair, but I mean, I think if we. There's a balance. There is a balance there. Yeah. You know, and I, like it, that. We just had the we had a Land Rover come in, frame the upper control arm was just ripped off the frame from rust. Right, and the shock system was not like was filled with issues. The compressor was bad; it uh, would leak air, and the tranny filter or the the tranny had a leak. The pass through gasket and the the filter is like a five hour job to because it's part of the pan and it's super rusty. And, 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 and. Right. And it was like, hey, probably not worth it. Here's what it's going to cost right. to fix all these things. You can choose to just fix the worst one of them. Right. But it's going to have a myriad of problems after. Right. Is like, we, that's what we always try to like give everybody the option. He, that guy chose to, He's risking it, man. Like, all right, weld that thing back on and uh, change <laughs> we'll the tranny filter and let's roll. Right. And it and it and it's worked out, but uh, it's tough. It's tough to know to make that, you know, business ethics, right? Yeah. Well, so you know, a while back, I, I had an experience that solidified what we do in my shop for me, and we've talked about it on the podcast. Um, a local family and and a total of four cars came from this shop in the span of two months. And the first one was we got our brakes done and it just, something doesn't feel right. Can you just take a look at it? Sure. No problem. Pull it in. They've not said anything about who's worked on the car or anything like that. We pick it up and we realize that the pads have been metal to metal and this other shop just put brake pads on it. And I'm like, dude, like you can literally see the fins in the rotor. Why would you do that? So I'm sure there's been a misunderstanding. Something's happened. Right. And I call, and he says, "No, I, I, was, I, I didn't. I didn't want to do all that because they weren't going to want to pay for it." And I'm like, "I've literally just had a conversation with this lady who said I just want my car to be safe, and I don't feel like it's safe." And he said, "Well, that, that's not my problem. The point is, is they would not like it if I charged them what what all need to be done. So we just put brake pads. It'll be okay." Okay. 
So a couple different cars come in, very, very similar scenarios, all from the same place. And then um, my attorney calls and says, I've been using the same shop for all these years. And they did some work to my pickup. Can you take a look at it? Yeah, sure. Why? Well, it's been sitting over there for six months and nobody's worked on it. And they had just done all this brake work to it. And now the clutch has gone out, but they've just left it sitting there and they've not worked on it. Cool. Send it over. That's weird. You know, like. Right. Yeah, something exactly. doesn't make. Why would you, you know. <clears throat> so the truck rolls in and the first thing we notice is like all the brake lines are rusted out. They've got compression fittings on them. They've, they've had to sand the rust off the brake lines to put the compression fitting on and then they would run like a little short piece of, of metal line down to a rubber hose, and then they tied it in and zip-tied it to like rusted out backing plates. And so it's got like four new calipers on it. It's got uh, it's got new pads and rotors on it. It's got a new wheel bearing on it. And you're looking at this thing, and the frame is literally to the point that I can push my finger through it like that. Now, they charged him $3,500 to do the brakes and put a clutch in this truck. When he left, he pulled out and he pushed the clutch and the clutch line blew out. And they're just letting it sit there because they don't want to have the conversation that, uh-oh, we probably shouldn't have charged you to do all that other work. I mean, dude, the truck was gone. I've still got pictures of it. There was no reason. And now he's like, well, I don't understand why they're upset at me. Right. Dude, you ripped him off. Like, And, and the problem is, is that shop owners, we look at that and we see so many people in the groups who are saying, I'm not going to tell them everything it needs. I'm not going to this. I'm not going to that. I'm not trying to rip them off. At some point, that becomes ripping them off by not telling them what right. their vehicle needs. As a professional, that's your freaking job. Absolutely. They don't want to be perceived as ripping somebody off. That's what they, they're they afraid of, being perceived. Well, how do we convert it to where they know they're not ripping them off? I mean, if, like, look, if you go tell it's them. It's a matter of confidence for them. For 100%. Sure. Yeah. Okay I mean, with being honest. How do we convince honest. them of that? What's that? How do we convince them of that? How do we show them that? I mean. We've been well, barking I feel like for years. Million-dollar question. I don't know. <laughs> right? I think yeah. some of that comes down to, like, I mean, if, if there was a question of, like, ooh, we just did all this work and, you know, we have essentially nothing to show for it since the clutch just went out, um, why wouldn't you just show pictures? Be like, hey, we did this, this, and this. Right. And because of that, this also has happened now. Um, it's not because they did shoddy. It, and in this case, it was shoddy it, repairs. They can't right. show pictures right. of shoddy but, repairs. I mean, <laughs> but, to, which, like. Then it is ripping them off. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, there's not a question. Yeah. Then they they are a shady shop. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you, yeah. There's not much up for discussion as far as you know. It's how rare to doing. run into a, an understanding customer. We just had that Equinox in the in the shop. The customer comes in for a catalytic converter code, and with an Equinox, it's catalytic converter. Got to clean the intake valves. Make sure the maintenance is up to date. Check the PCM. Make sure it's got the latest calibration. This whole process, it's not just slapping a catalytic converter because the code comes right back on. So we tell the customer this. He's super cool about it. He's like, okay, bajillion dollars, whatever. He's like, right. go ahead and do it. The car pulls in. Now, we had just had it inspected a week, week and a half before. Comes in, drops the car off, prepays with some cash. Fantastic. I love that. We put it up in the air, and the entire bottom of the vehicle is covered in oil. Like, everything is covered in oil underneath. That's weird. While it's running, it's just dumping oil on the ground did you just have the oil changed or something is what we asked him he said no i didn't do anything i just drove it he's like what's wrong it was oil all over the bottom of the car in that case we took pictures and we showed him like this thing's dumping oil everywhere i have no idea why we thought it was maybe the oil pan it wasn't it turned out to be the flywheel bolts but 
he was totally understanding. I mean, he, he understood. Right. Yeah. We not, showed not him the evidence. Sens- sensuous. Well, yeah. Since you were yeah. in there, uh, well, like, you know, you we do? have pictures of the old inspection, which I, I think that sometimes helps the confidence in the, we did a thorough inspection the first time around. We have picture proof of what happened after yeah. the fact. You know, what, it's hard. Yeah. It's terrible. It was actually good timing because if he had pulled out of there and it happened right after he had had that calendar converter replaced, he, that engine would have been toast. Yeah. It wouldn't have lasted more than, you know, a few days as fast as it was leaking oil. So it was good. It happened when it did. But the pictures, the pictures gave us the confidence to come back to him and say, "Here's the situation. By the way, it's another fifteen hundred bucks. I got to pull the transmission out and replace these flywheel bolts, or look and see what's leaking." Because I didn't know what it was. Well, and I mean, so many times, I think the way that we handle it, right? Like we had something really similar happen. We fixed a major oil leak on a BMW, right? And so a week later. He calls and says, hey, it's got a massive leak. Great. You, let me get your rental car. I'll get it towed. What do you need me to do? No, no, no. I'll, I'll get it in. Don't worry about it. I'll be fine. Do you need a, a loaner car, rental car? No, I've got another car. I'm okay. The fact that I stepped up and said, hey, whatever we need to do, if this is on us, we'll take care of it. Yeah. You know, settle and ease his mind before he had a chance to really think it through and think that we were trying to do something shady. I mean, this was on a weekend that I'm reaching out and talking to him. Turns out it wasn't anything to do we did. Nowhere close to it. And, and we took pictures and videos and showed the whole nine yards and it was easy to say and as a matter of fact he came in and said you know i know that's a known problem with that car i've done my research fix it right and it turned out to between two repairs it was seven thousand bucks and he's just like well whatever we have that conversation with land rover owners that this is a never-ending process in right repairs. but you're telling them that when it's still under warranty <laughs> oh yeah no they come in and you know it's got 40 50 000 miles and they're just they're out of factory warranty and i'm like I'm just letting you know, I'm happy to work on this thing. It is a never-ending list of repairs. We see that with... And not $1,000 in repairs. Right. It is three to $5,000 a clip. Uh, we see that a lot with, like, the Escalade brand. You know, you get... It's got 160,000 miles on it. Um, the thing that made it drive, like a Cadillac, you know, that suspension system... Oh, yeah. ...takes yeah. a shit. So then it's like, okay, well, we could just replace it with... Some Passive just, system. Yeah. Right, yeah. Which, I uh, basically, it'll ride like a Suburban then. Right. Well, yeah. Well, do that. Absolutely. Also, why did you buy a Cadillac? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> they look nice. nice. And yeah, and then they do. They do. I, I never, nice. I never worry about the Cadillacs because they do have a list. And I tell right. them, they're like, "Hey, yeah. there's like 15 things that are going to fail here in the next year on this Cadillac." But at least it's not a Land Rover. That's what I talk. About. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we run into that too. It, it's like we've got a couple of shops that I talk to, and and Eric Box, one of them, and and they want to work on exotics. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Have you lost your mind? You'd have to charge five thousand dollars an hour to make break even on that. But it's just one thing after another. If they, in Eric's case, though, he lives in an area where people just kind of understand, like. That they're dropping off this Lamborghini and they know, just let me know what it's going to cost at the end. And yeah, if it's fifteen twenty thousand dollars because you have to replace this one seal, it's they're whatever. Did the problem is mind? the person. <laughs> no, right? Like okay. the the problem is the person that that stretches their budget to buy the GT three. That's that's where yeah. I was going with and the then, Cadillac thing. Yeah, too. and they they come in and they're like, "What do you mean it's eleven thousand dollars for brakes? It's you didn't do your homework, man. Brakes, dude. And like, what do you want me to tell you?" And they're like, oh, this is nuts. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, well, it, Nissan Skylines. Yep. 
That's a thing. Yeah. Because it's affordable. Reasonably right. affordable com- compared to a supercar. Yeah. You get supercar performance almost for $90,000 on a used one with gently used with 11,000 miles. <laughs> and they have, they have no idea that there's one Nissan tech in the entire city that has been trained on how to work on this vehicle. And yeah, you have to come in at, you know, 3,000 miles for this service and 5,000 miles for that. And it's 1,500 here and it's $2,500 for that. And they have no idea. And then, yeah, we run into that too, uh, especially in the off-road side, <clears throat> you know, our, in our sport or our industry, um, our NASCAR is King of the Hammers and some of these Ultra 4 built buggies that um, a lot of people want to emulate, right? Oh, my gosh, they got a coilover conversion for my 2021 Jeep Gladiator. Um, yeah, we could put coilovers on it. Um, and just know that, like, race quality doesn't necessarily mean race longevity. Right. Exactly. And it means that every year you got to come back. I got to tear these things apart. I got to service them. I got to put them back together. You're going to spend, you know, if it's six grand to put them on, you're going to be spending two grand a year just, you know, or a season. um, To keep them usable. Just to keep them usable. And it's like, oh, well, for the six grand that I'm spending to upgrade my suspension, you'd think that they would last longer. It's like, well, that's not how that works. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we went through that in the diesel performance market. We started as a diesel performance shop. And everybody wanted a fast truck until it came time to pay the bills that having a fast truck cost. Oh, right? that's so expensive. I mean, like, you know, input shaft after input shaft after input shaft. What are you doing wrong? Nothing. You're doing boosted launches. That's going to happen. Right. right. Like, yeah. I can't avoid it. You Cause got two, effect. maybe three, right? Like, that's it. Well, it needs head gaskets? Yeah. It probably needed them from the factory, but, you know, neither here <laughs> nor there. But, you know, and, and the problem was, especially we were seeing younger clients who came in who wanted a fast diesel truck oh. and they wanted to make a thousand horsepower. And, and we would have to sit them down and say, you need to understand what a thousand horsepower looks like. Right. Right. Like this is not going to be cheap. It can be done, but you need to understand this truck is not a street truck anymore. I, I see lots of people who drive a thousand mm-hmm. horsepower truck on the road. Yeah. Doesn't make it a street truck, bro. Like I can't make it reliable. Well, what are you doing wrong? I just said, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's not reliable. There's no way around it. Right. You know, and, and you see these guys putting 10, 15, $25,000 motors in race trucks all the time. They don't, I mean, if, if you go look at industrial injections, YouTube channel, you'll see that they saw, I think six or seven failures their last nano day. Yep. Dude, all you got to do is watch the video and you know it's not going to last. Why do you have a different expectation for me? Well, it's my money. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, we we did a Hellcat swap on a four-door Wrangler for one of our SEMA builds a couple years back. Right. And it was cool. It was, I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Blew the motor up three times. But And come to find out that those early Hellcats had an issue um, with, you know, uh, just I mean, it took his a little droplet of oil. Underneath the ring land, they're blowing pistons out yep. um, just from that. Were they splitting in half? Let me tell you about splitting in half. <laughs> I told you. You just got into a sore subject. This ha- <laughs> this was this week, or was it last week? Well, yeah, maybe two weeks ago. No, it was last week, I think. Yeah. Poor David. We've been having conversations that you don't do in-house engine rebuilds, okay? Right. Not, not in a production repair facility. Absolutely not. Did you hear what he said? I don't operate. Like I, I mean, I did just purpose. rebuild my own top kick motor, though. But that's See, different. He rebuilt his own top kick. Motor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
You want to tell him the story? You want to tell him what you I got to know now. What's that? Oh, when we rebuilt this Hemi and we had it, it was running the nights. Comes in for the second, first oil change, 500 miles. Yep. Running great. Calls me and says, hey, the engine just shut off. Okay. Tow it down, oil everywhere. What happened? It was a hole in the side of the block. The piston had split in two. Yeah. Top of the piston was jammed up on the top. Bottom was still attached to the rod. The rod went like this. Rod slapped on the side and broke the side of the block. Yeah. Supercharged or no? No, just a normal Hemi. We called the dealer. Uh, my tech has a friend uh, who works at the Chrysler dealership here in town. And he said, hey, what happened? He's like, ah, that's a thing. Usually it's the Hellcats. Yeah. But it's a thing on these Hemis. We see them all the time. What well, I you know i our shop kind of got drug a little bit through the mud we uh it, it was a friend that we did it for and well we don't really talk anymore oh, because man. you know it was it was a tuning issue on the hellcats they weren't they're not really ready for standalone setups and but you talk to the oh yeah no we've been doing it you just don't know how to do this or they don't know how to do that it's always somebody else's yeah yeah somebody yeah. else's issue um and that's when I got really, really close with those boys. Um, yeah. And yeah. and I've known Jared for years and years and years. Oh, seven. Right. Um, but um, it uh, – you're just trying to work through that. And they were super helpful. But, you know, they're the supplier. They're not putting it in. They're not – I mean, they've put them in. They, you know, right. we work with shops all over the country to try to – to figure it out because i'm questioning the same thing the customer's probably questioning like what are we doing wrong right we know what we're doing we do this we do this all the time right why now um and why multiple times and by the end of it it was like like i i can't i tried to do what i you know i ate the labor on one one job mm -hmm. um thankfully mopar warranted the engine right which was huge yeah but it took them a while to let us know that, like, oh, yeah, well, so there is a problem. Right. We just don't want to say it. And anything. all the time, tensions are rising. Right, yeah. On both sides. And I'm trying – and, like, I, I think it was, it was actually Chris Chesney um, who I was uh, telling him about it. And that, uh, that gasoline pre-detonation or – Yeah. Yeah, uh, that some of the smaller imports have. Um, and uh, he's like, you know what? And he started explaining, like, he is a genius. He really is. I mean, like, that, that's, that is an understatement, yeah. to say the least. It was, and he's, he's, he, he was the first person, and I call everybody. I right. text everyone, help, 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 mayday, right. red flags, I need to get an answer. And everybody was like, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's this, or, well, maybe it's that. And he was like, well, precisely. And, <sighs> you know, he just... This is this is the conditions in what you're explaining would happen, and then it was like four months later, Mopar released a statement that if you're going to be rebuilding these mo or if you're going to be installing these motors, that you should upgrade the lower end. And it was like, but it was even with Chris's right. information, I'd go to them and they'd be like, "Not possible, nope, right. you're, couldn't be you're that, crazy. couldn't be that." And then that. my buddy got a hot rod shop, and he's like, "We just blew one up on the track this morning." You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, so you say you got drugged through the mud. That's it, something that's happening to a lot of shops. Right. Tell us you want, you feel, you feel okay sharing the experience. A absolutely. Well, cause you know, the next shop says, oh, you know, I wouldn't have done the, the It's no different. Our custom install, like we feel that it's pristine and the right way. 
Um, also, some of that's guided by the tools and the the, the equipment and the 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 knowledge, right? We did yeah. we were putting those in before it was really a thing. Now it's a thing, um, but we treated it just like any other engine custom install. We we um, it's like you know we we put one ton axles in it. We upgraded the the transmission. We we did all the other off road stuff too at the same time, and it's like. Somebody caught uh, like the 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 light for the automatic steps. Mm-hmm. Um, another shop when we were there for tuning and we were causing some issue, and then the customer reached out to that the tuning shop, and then they they're like, "Oh yeah," and and by the way, I don't know why that shop couldn't figure it out, but there was like it was a loose wire or something. I don't remember what it was. The battery was draining. The there was a uh, LED light. Mm-hmm in the drop down step so it would be a lit step when the step would retract that light would stay on you know well why didn't they just know to replace the fuse you know back to that story yeah well and and we missed it um the only reason that it was ever found out was because somebody was staying late at the shop after lights were turned off and and they saw a sliver of light coming from in that step right and um and then it and then it went to and then by that time you know, the, I know the customer wanted to trust us, but at this point, there's, I, I know that I did the best job, and I and I took care of them. So I I lost zero sleep over this, the, it, other than figuring out some of the issues or whatnot. But like, right. there was nothing shoddy or sloppy about our work. Right. Um, I don't have any issue about that. So I I don't spend too much time worrying about that. Mm-hmm. But even. I just, it has been to like four other shops around the country. Somehow it's, or it's, it's back in our Eau Claire area and another shop got it. And we were doing work on this other customer's vehicle that has that shop do some work as well. And the shop owner there was like, Hey, um, you know, be careful with oh, those max built guys. Cause we've got one of their project, their SEMA trucks in here and it's zip tied to the moon or something was, and and so, and that, that customer called me and says, Hey, I don't deal with shitty work. And so this is what I heard about what your shop does. And I'm like, all right, well, I, I'd love to know the context. Um, and, uh, I said, I can explain whatever you want. Do we also, do we use zip ties for wire management? Yeah, absolutely. Sure yeah, do. Find somebody who doesn't. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like, let me tell you oh, some of these cool does. tricks I yeah. can do. Right. Exactly. Like- yeah. And. <laughs> Um, I mean, for crying out loud, a lot of the race chassis and stuff that we work on, we're welding on zip tie tabs. Right. Like, um, it's a thing. But, uh, and also, right, right, some of these things are within the constraints of the customer's budget. Yep. We can do it um, for maybe what you, what that shop thinks is the only way, but that wasn't something that they wanted to pay for. They wanted to focus right. their time and money somewhere else. So when when that shop did that, I dealt with that customer. The customer still appreciated us, what we were doing. He was a little skeptical on a couple of things, but um, we impressed him with our work. Um, and he said, you know, I, I wonder if that guy was just having a bad day. Um, and and also, hey, man, long story short, that thing was at four other shops before there. Or they saw it. So who knows what could have been done on that thing. The motor's been out two more times. Um yeah. So I get frustrated with the customers sometimes because, and we've run into this situation. I 
we sent out a newsletter. I wrote a whole article about about this. It doesn't make any sense. You've been coming to me for two, three, four years. I have 12, 15 invoices in my system. And I told you something you didn't want to hear. So you go to this other rando. You've never been there. You have no idea how they operate. You've never had any work done by them. You know what I do. I've been keeping this car on the road for you, safe and reliable. I'm, I present the pictures. We do the whole, whole dog and pony show. You're going to trust what they said this one time because I told you what you didn't want to hear? Like, you're going to trust them. You have no history with them. Right. Why would you take their word over mine? It, that doesn't make any sense. But that other shop just absolutely threw you under the bus just because they could. Right. Yeah, because it, it would give them a leg up or maybe – I don't even know. Yeah, and I, and It I doesn't make any sense. Like, what's the reasoning – and I understand, like, they, they see this truck and they're like, oh, I'm going to get a – maybe because they're a little salty. They're like, ah, everybody goes to Max Bill. Screw those guys. I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to get on the phone with this customer and let them know what's going on. Yeah, because uh, I hear – truth be told, you know, and I, I'm not here to spread any rumors and I haven't used any names, so it doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, that guy's having a tough time in, in personal and business life. Um, so I think but that there's a lot of reasons. That, that's normally the case, right? Right. But but, you, but the I, customer I won't understand. Why, the customer why. won't look at that. It's like, yeah yeah yeah. The customer doesn't understand. Yeah, that. they, they like, don't they don't look at. Uh, let's take no the big history, picture. Yeah, no right. history, no understanding of what's going on, and they don't have the expertise either. But they put you on the same pedestal as that person. Like right. we're on equal footing. It's like whoa whoa hold on now. That truck is not on equal footing with mine. Right. I'm sorry, we have a history here. You see what I do. You see my reviews. Like why would you think right. that they have more information than I do? Yeah, I'm not trying to pull the wool over and and a. And those are the conversations that I don't mind having with a client at all. Right. Um, I'll have them. I get agitated. Uh, well, and I, cause, uh, because at the end of the day, um, I've actually found having those conversations, I'll get a, a much stronger client out of the deal. Um, yeah, we do. Or it, admitting to the, shortcomings, too. Right. It's not. About uh, that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, just being open, upfront, and honest no matter the situation. Amen. Amen. Um, and we had a <laughs> – this one's embarrassing, but I don't care. Um, we <clears throat> have a client that he had bought a brand-new JL when they came out, which is a new four-door Wrangler, right. um, a few years back. We were the first shop in town. We were the first shop on the internet that, we, that was doing some cool stuff, um, full Terraflex uh, Alpine suspension system, like really dialing this thing in for – you know, the customer used to have a Jeep, scared the shit out of him. It was like his old CJ5. And, right. Um, so then he, uh, he but he, he wanted he wanted that, that lifestyle again, but he wanted to have the safety of uh, the modern everything. So like everything was, it just needed to be perfect. Right. It was investment quality in his, in his mind. And it was, I mean, you're. You're spending a lot of money on a on a brand new vehicle plus yeah. um you're gonna go dump another twenty to fifty with me. Right. Um so we got it in, we were doing gears, uh we're we're hustling that that week, you know, and, and we had a process, we've done enough of these. So it was like uh Riley was was rocking the suspension, JT was rocking gears in the back while he was working on the front. Um and those things aren't the best. When it comes to uh, placement on the hoist, when you're doing all of that work, right? Um, ah, you know what's happening. <laughs> and so I'm up front, 
And uh, my dad had came in, and he just he looked like white as a ghost. Right. I'm like, what? What is it? And he's like, well, I don't know how to say this, and I mean, but I just. I'm like, Dad, you got to spit it out because now I'm worried. Right. And he's like, well, nobody's hurt. What happened? Right. He's like, the JL fell off the hoist. Oh, what? man. And I, I was like, speech, like I, our, we have our office building. Right. And then it's like a, I don't know, 70 foot walk. Right. And then that's our shop. So I wa- walked over there and I just like stare at the door before I open it. <laughs> right. Did you throw up like three times on Oh my there? God. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I open the door and I, and I fling it open and, and it's just a, just a mess. Jeep, because there's no tires or wheels on it. Um, it's the back. It had fallen off the hoist. Um, the, the suspension unloaded and it, the, you have to put the arm underneath the, gas tank the lock failed and kicked out that back arm so it fell down it landed right on the the the, the rear quarter um and then the front hoist arms just racked all the way up the inner fenders oh, and dude. just just hung everything up and everybody was like what are you what are, what are we gonna do i'm like everybody's gonna shut up for a <laughs> i just, yeah. just went up against the wall leaned against it and went crouched into the fetal position and stared at it tried to figure out what the heck i was gonna do right i knew i needed to call the customer but we try to have a habit of making a solution before a problem is presented right i just didn't know how i was gonna solve this one <laughs> i called my insurance company right away i stare this happened i am i covered yep good so i'm gonna Step one, customer, we can get this thing back to yeah, absolutely 100%. Longer probably than you want, but. Right. Uh, then number two, I called uh, a fantastic auto body shop in town. And I said, Sean, I'm calling on a favor, bud. I need you to, I don't know what you're doing. Can you come here? I need you to come here. Right. This is what happened. I'm on my way. Dropped everything he's doing. Came to make sure that he could start a quote. <clears throat> and this is all within 15 minutes of it happening. And then the next step was. We need to call the customer, but in case the customer's around, we need to have this presentable because right yeah. now it's not presentable. It can be screwed up, but it can't right. look like it looks. Yeah, it can't be dangling <clears throat> hanging, from the lift. Yeah, and now it's unsafe. So we we get it in, um, and we had borrowed a skid steer for some snow removal that day. So I, I was like, hey, Adam, said, I can't. I'm shaking. You got to drive this thing. I I need you to – we were going to come in from the front, hook a chain underneath the, the bumper to on the tow points, um, hook that on the bucket, lift it up, take off the um, any strain. We pulled the arms away and then just lowered it down onto the ground. Um, and then we could reset the hoist or use floor jacks to be able to jack it back up. As we're setting it on the freaking ground and we set it, it's everything's done. Slack the chain out. And then all of a sudden, we're everybody like lets out that <sighs> – <laughs> and then the chain unhooks and it's you just hear link after link after link start sliding and it just piles up on the hood <laughs> and just completely screws up the hood. I mean you could not like you could not script this any any worse. And I'm just like, are you kidding? We get out, we get it, everything squared away, yank the chain off. At that point it was like, whatever, you know. Yeah. And so, call the customer, and I said, "Mark, you're not going to believe believe what happened." And um, I said, "But 
we can fix it. Um, how are you doing? Right. Silence. I'm going to just stop by. Good. Yeah. Couldn't oh, you, I know, right? Couldn't you just yell at me? Right. Like, I don't want to do this face to face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so he pops in with his wife, too, and I hadn't really met her. Um, yeah. And let's you know, go see the carnage together, honey. Right. Yeah, I know. We'll have lunch afterwards. It was oh. so it was so hard. <laughs> it was so hard to. He comes in and it, the first thing he says, um, he said, "Is everybody okay?" Yeah. And I said, "Yes, everybody is okay, safe. Um, we're okay." And he's like, "Well, let's see it." And it's just like the walk of shame over to the other shop, and we open the door, and he's like, "It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be." I'm like, "Well, okay." <laughs> I'm just gonna shut my mouth yeah. right now. I'm gonna let you believe that it's and, fine. <laughs> and I and I said, you know, we can we can fix it. We can get it back to good. And and he's like, okay, um, I trust you. Make it happen. And I told him the plan or whatever. And then the next day he calls me. He's like, so I was talking to some other people, and like I don't think it'll ever be back to where it was, no matter what. And I said, well, and he's like, you know, I'm going to run into electrical issues and this or that. And part of it's like, hey, man, we just cut your frame apart to put the suspension system. Right. On. Like we did way more in depth than what this is going to be. And, but I understand. And I'm not also here to like make excuses. I'm yeah. just yeah. here to say, okay, okay. Right. Um, and it was back and forth a little bit while we were getting it repaired or, you know, a, we were like the hard top or something was on back order forever. So that didn't help either. Um, and, uh, so we, we went forward with it. He trusted us to do the repair. Um, and, and then we finished the work that we were doing. He's been driving it for years. He is probably one of our best clients. We're starting a massive expansion right now. And his, um, he, he builds commercial right. buildings. He's doing it for us. He just signed on for a project for his wife to build a custom Jeepster commando. Like, and part of me wants, you know, he's become my business mentor. I look up to him. I run a lot of things by him. Um, All from dropping a vehicle off the hoist. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It's the way you handled it though. That's what he, that's what he was saying. And, and, you know, so we've had things like that happen. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I've learned the first thing that I do after I go through the process you went through is I call and say, what would you like me to do for you? Yes. How can I serve you? How can I help you? This was our screw up. We own this. Yep. What do you need me to do to make you whole? Right. Yep. And you and can't the, run from that stuff. Exactly. And, and man, those are hard conversations and hard conversations are the toughest thing to learn how to do. Right. Yep. But it's the best. I think it's the best asset you can give yourself. Absolutely. As, as a shop owner, as a person, like I even tell my kids, the right thing to do in any situation is always the hardest. Yep. Amen. And, Amen. And you can't prove it wrong. I That's try. exactly right. And and you know we always say that growth comes when you're outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. When you get out of outside of where you're most comfortable. That's when you start pushing the limits and you start to grow as a human being. Yep. And and man, just like you said, that is the hardest call to make. That's the hardest conversation to have. And like inside it, man, it hurts. Yep. But you do it a few times and you realize like, hey, we're not going to make a habit of this. But, you know. I, I, I can conquer anything. Exactly. I remember hearing a football coach say, they can't eat you. You know, they asked him, right. what, what if you lose the Super Bowl? And he said, they can't eat you. Right. right. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they can fire me. Cool, whatever, I'll go get another job. But at the end of the day, exactly. You know, and, and I see so many shops miss that point 
and they try and sweep it under the rug. They try and cover it up. That is a PR nightmare. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's I would never want to come back for. from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why going back to the shops, dragging other shops under the bus, it showcases their integrity. That speaks volumes to a customer, I think. Now, I get that like sometimes, but also is that the customer you want them? Yeah, So then exactly. that, that kind of takes care of that for you. Absolutely. If they're bouncing from shop to shop to ask if, if right. I'm trustworthy, no, nah, man, I'm good. Right, exactly. Yeah, you can keep I'll on. Right. Probably not right. for you. Yep. So, absolutely. Anything else you want to tell the listeners? Anything you want to? Uh, man, no. Uh, follow us on social media. Check us out. We Where like to have fun. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Max Build Offroad, um, as well as our website. Very cool. TikTok. Oh, that's right. I know, the TikTok. I tell you. And what's going to be next? We just made a list the other day. Yeah, we made a list of, I think there's roughly about 20, 25 different social media sites. Uh, out there, yeah, like it's crazy. So we made a list, and um, you know, it includes everything from like your typical mainstream socials, right? You look. I don't know if you're surprised or if you're, if you're going to tell me I there's just, more. I just got Facebook down pat, man. Come on. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so there is no this... forgetting Facebook down pat. No they way. Jack as soon as you think you know, yeah, yeah. Right? they jack with it constantly. Um, but here, and I don't know if this is going to blow your mind, like it blew my mind, but now there's Web3. Have you heard about Web3? No. Okay, so Web3 is like NFTs, um, blockchain, blah, 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 blah. So there, there are social media sites popping up on blockchain. So that will be the new yeah. revolution. So you, I don't know if you heard it here first or not, but this is some research that I've been doing that I'm super pumped about because of what I do. Um, and I'm trying to get into the NFT spaces, which is how I kind of heard about it. Um, and there are going to be social media sites on Web3 in blockchain. That's crazy. That's so, awesome. So we probably just hire you to do it for us. So we it's going to be so rad because, I mean, like, you, the big deal is the censor- censorship issues that you're always dealing with, especially with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, oh, yeah, you forgot Twitter, too, I think, right? Twitter. Yep. Max yep. built Twitter. He, he added it. He got it in there. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm <laughs> just doing Twitter. <laughs> right. But um, so there's going to be more coming. There's going to be... Um, there, I think we're going to see a huge revolution in the social media spaces here pretty soon because everyone's right. real sick of Facebook um, and the censorship issues. I know I am, you know, yeah. and like what – and there is well, – Our engagement – like it used to be easy. Now it's like well, so – Well, they want you to pay. It's, yeah, it's paid space. Oh, for yeah. sure. It's yeah, all yeah. about paid Organic space. used to mean something. It doesn't exactly. anymore. Exactly. It, it was fun when you didn't have to um, – when you couldn't pay for ads. Like that's when it was cool. Yep. That's when I remember it being the best. It's that's like, why I like the group. I do like the, the group yes. for that reason. Like, yeah. The problem, though, is that eventually they do need to make money because it is a right. business. Yeah. And like Facebook is moving into the whole meta thing. Like that's what they're moving into. I don't know. Uh, did you watch? Uh, do you follow some of the alt media stuff? Like he, uh, Mark Zuckerberg was on with Lex Friedman on a podcast, and he was talking about the future of what Facebook looks like, and it's it's another level of Zoom. It's it's how to how to create a person to person face to face interaction without actually having to be there. Yeah, like yeah. looking into yep. your eyes. Right. The metaverse. Because right right now, it's if we were talking on Zoom, you would be looking at a picture of you and not into your face. You see right. what I'm saying? Yep, hundred percent. And so they're trying to fix that. And in and, and it isn't even it isn't even the 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 face-to-face interaction it's just the feeling of it and he's like it doesn't need to be perfect 
but you can duplicate like 95% of it just all digitally. It's insane what he starts talking about. So, yeah, I mean, the decentralization, like there's mines, there's pocket net, there's a few out there already that um, they're the wild, wild west of social media. And the people that are populating those spaces right now, as soon as the brands come in, as soon yeah. as you're you're like, hey, follow me on Minds. Here's my business page. They're gone. They're gone because it's like the normies are on Facebook right now. Because and then the younger kids are on TikTok, and so TikTok now is is getting older. Yeah. Uh, it's which not, is great. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's not even that. It's it's, it's, it's the the people that are the the content the content that they're creating on on TikTok. Uh, you know is it appeals to the baser instincts of our minds, our brains, you know, just that quick, you know, yeah. flashy. And so the people that are, it, it's going to attract a, a huge audience. I'm not even, I mean, like I stay away from it. I just cannot handle the TikTok. Oh, I'm, I'm moving very slowly. Yeah. It's very it's, slowly. It's, it's impressive. Away from, from it? A, no, into <laughs> it. Uh -huh. yeah, into it's impressive to see from an editing standpoint, the creativity. Yes. Because yeah, I mean, look I at Justin not. Allen. Look, I mean, everything he's doing through TikTok right now. Yeah, but he he ends up cross posting it, and a lot of what he can do, a lot of what he can do, he it, that's easy for him because he's he's incredibly talented at just that. Yeah. Oh, but so the, you're telling Justin he's incredibly talented at just that's what I heard. And what his uh, what he sure the, the content that, that he puts a, out. I, I don't know just that because I don't know him that well. I'm just saying that what the his shtick that he does on on Facebook and on Instagram and on on TikTok. It's really really good. Yeah, it is. At what he does. Justin uh, Allen. He works for Hunter. And, um, I mean, just, like really cool. You you want an awesome social media person to follow? And it's, it's mostly yeah. like him just taking pictures and talking into. But he's when he starts speaking, it's it's eloquent. It comes off and it's so organic and. and and you watch him, and you you're thinking, I, I, I can't be like that in real life. And then you meet him in person, you're like, Holy crap, this guy's really like this in real life. They get the ex exact opposite thing when they meet me in real life. No, this guy's I, a douche. Like, I don't like him at all. <laughs> Since when did they not get that on the podcast? I don't think I come off as a as big a douche on the podcast as I am in person. Is that why you didn't live stream it? No, no, we live stream a lot. We live stream a lot. <laughs> and so, um, but that's not that's not the type of content that I'm talking about. I'm talking like quick cutaways, music. You know, it's moving and it's filters. It's, it's, it's yeah, facts. yeah, it's filters. It's effects, and they can they can get on there and create this content very quickly. It's fascinating what they're capable of doing. In a, I guess, with their up to three as minutes a complete or whatever. and total amateur half the time. Like, I mean, you yeah. can you can go onto these spaces and create like really cool stuff without even hardly trying. Yeah, well, I mean, like if you go watch what my wife watches, you 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 said something that resonated with me, and I never thought about this until David said it a while back. He was saying like, "Hey, what does your wife look at on Instagram? Mm -hmm. What does your wife look at here? Why?" Well, because I want to see what other people are looking at. And like I've watched her transition from watching YouTube videos to now it's reels, right, on Instagram or and it, that became and it, it's entirely the segment the majority of people on YouTube are men. 
the majority of YouTube. Man. If you look, and YouTube has fantastic analytics. If you look at the, the our breakdown, it's like 99% men that are watching our YouTube channel. And so you're like, well, okay, I'm not going to create content to appeal to your wife. It's just they're not watching. Of course. And, it, Maybe you not have, and you probably, honestly, probably won't be very good at it. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, like, like create <laughs> what you're good at. Absolutely. Stay in your lane. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but at some, you have do you, have to. Have you been you riding to, with him? Was that like a. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to, like, like you were saying earlier, you do have to shift your content to what appeals to the audience. And then they meant that may not be what you're good at. Right. Exactly. But it, it, you could point. be like, I'm really good at this one thing. It's like, great. I'm, I'm glad. Nobody watches that. Nobody right. cares yeah, about right. that. Like it's it's really boring. Honestly, content. you know, I love it when people say stuff like that because you're I'm I'm endlessly surprised by people watch. Yeah. Endlessly surprised. Yeah, like, but you, there, like you, you and have I to are break gonna... it down into like you have to break it down and see what is it that's appealing to this. And it for example, the person folding the clothes, right? You if you sit down and you get just any rando to sit down and start having a conversation and folding clothes, you find out that person doesn't have any interesting viewpoints, no opinions, they're boring, they're just boring people. To you to you. Yes. No, it, because it, I'm just talking about the randos. Right. I they get on there and they think, look, you, you get on like Ace Hog oh, no. or whatever. Yeah, There's I've a lot that. of people that, that they're like, oh, I'm going to have a nightly chat while I'm sipping a whiskey or whatever. That works for you right. because you just sat for an hour and rattled it on a podcast and it just it flowed out of you and you were engaging and you told stories and that's just you. Right. Not everybody can do that. Exactly. And sure. I, that's what a lot of people don't yep. realize. It's like, okay, that's great that – because that's a Gary Gary Vaynerchuk. That's a Gary him. V thing. Yep. Like just get in front of the camera. Yeah, just get in front of the camera. And I'm not disagreeing with him. He obviously All knows what he's doing. But not everybody not everybody's Gary V. No. And essentially what he's saying is you'll figure out what it is that you can bring to 100%. the table that people – that also people want to watch because they may not be folding. And and that's it. That's sort of the, the the problem is everybody sees everybody sees what we're doing, right? And the reason and and we've been moderately successful at at least getting a few people to listen. Okay. Yeah. And so the only reason why it works is because it's me and him. Yeah. Right. And he's got a completely different personality type, and I've got a completely different personality. We play off each other, right? But you hear it's like, well, I can create a podcast too, and you you go and listen to it, and you're like, oh, no, you can't. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's, it's the process yeah. of the and the dynamic, and, yeah, and and especially but the podcast may not be for them. They and, they need to figure out. It's like, okay, well, then I need to figure out what it is that I can do, and and find that voice. And then really engage with that style of content because it might be TikTok or it might be Reels or it might be Instagram stories. Uh, That's a perfect plug. You see, you see some of those. Pressed, you yeah. see some of those. Uh, <laughs> some of these shop owners, they're really good. And, and I am thinking of a shop owner in particular. He creates stories on 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 Facebook, right? And he posts some on Facebook. He might be doing it on G, IG or whatever. But he's really good at that. But then he decided, oh, I'm going to do a podcast too. And it's like, oh, okay, well, keep working on the story thing because those are good. Those are really – I can't do what he does on stories. The, the podcast is – you're going off in left field. Like that's not your space. Like stay in what you're really good and develop that. And a lot of people miss that. They're like, I've got to be everywhere. Well, we and if you see them taking like short-term projects, reels, 
whatever stories. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, well, maybe I can do them. No, you're ruining it. You're ruining it. Stop yeah. doing that. Don't touch it anymore. You're ruining it. It's just like baking, right? right? Like, yeah. you can only frost that cake so much before you're ruining it. Exactly. Exactly. If you're looking, you're not cooking. Well, and that's, you know, <laughs> there's a, for the, I don't know. Somebody told me that about Dutch oven cooking. <laughs> Leave it alone. If you're, if, you're, if you're pulling the lid off, you're not, you're looking, you're not cooking. Uh, um, yeah, they say that about Traegers too. Like, don't touch the lid. Don't do it. Right, right, right. Just trust but, the process. Just look at those TikToks where the guy's like frosting the cake. So there's one in Canada. The girl, the girl creates the Dairy Queen cakes. She's got a million plus followers on TikTok. And, she all she's doing is making a cake, or the guy that that makes the the cold um what's it called cold stone creamery. Yeah, and he you ever seen the his stuff? Oh, yeah. that he, he makes it. Yeah. He's telling a story, or the subway guy. The guy, subway guy's got like four or five million. His parents owned a subway, and so he'll tell stories about subway. the The appeal is not oh I can just talk while I'm making a sandwich. Like what are you doing? No, it's the story. It's the structure. It's the way it's, it's being told. It's the yeah. yeah. It, it's the it's inflection. The delivery. And the, yeah, yes. the delivery. There's so much nuance on there, and it's genius. It's not the fact that he's videotaping himself making it with a GoPro making himself. And that, but sandwich. that's how people can make it. Just oh, all he's doing is this. Yeah. All, all, well, Phil, you're a storyteller. Cook bacon and tell a story. It wasn't, um, I don't know, try to emulate this lady that's folding laundry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You have to, and that, um, I don't know who's all going to STX, but if there's, there. or if this will um, make it out to the world before there. But Jamie and I are teaching two classes on social media marketing. A big focus is on finding your voice and figuring out what that space looks like. Because the one thing that, that we can't argue is that the shop owner knows their business the most um so a lot of times we'll have shop owners come up and be like well who should i hire to do my social media marketing and i'll say well have you done anything with it well no no i said well you gotta you you gotta you gotta start you gotta start you've got to carve that time out for you because you need to understand what you're trying what your culture is what your what you're trying to let people know about, because this isn't an ad platform. It can't be an ad platform. Right. But but it's a great way to showcase why you have your customers in the first place. Yeah. And what you're the only you one that knows that. Yeah. Yep. So you start – and then once you do that, certainly you can work with a – You, you just got to be really careful and make sure they understand that they – the problem I end up having is that they, they don't get it. I see very smart, successful, prominent, well-spoken, articulate shop owners – they get on and they're like, it's just me and a camera. And they whip out the camera and they're just talking into it. And they're very good at speaking. And it's hard. But it's boring content. And the reason why it's boring content People is People come to social media for entertainment. Yes. You have to remember that. And, yes. and he's giving car, t- car care tips. Hey, I'm just going to give you some car care tips, this, that, and the other. Contrast that person with the, the mechanic. I follow a particular mechanic up in Michigan you know, on TikTok. And um, I that. find him through, through reels. I don't. The Alberta guy? Do you ever see that guy too? The Alberta mechanic? No. He's hopping off TikTok right now. He is? Yeah, right I now. I love he him is. so he, much. I, I just saw his yeah. TikTok last night. He's he so said great. he's signing Anyways. up for a hot minute. <laughs> and so he, anyway. the, the, the this guy here, I think he's up to 300,000 followers. And he, he was just talking about how crazy that is. The difference between the the uh, older shop owner getting on Facebook and just telling, giving car care tips. The other guy's doing the exact same thing, but he's doing it within a, a story framework. He's telling a story. And it, and it looks like yes. it's almost behind the scenes content, which is and the best. Yeah, it, it's like ooh, he's letting me in on a secret. 
versus the more polished, articulate shop owner who's in front of his nice, beautiful shop telling car care tips. Like, dude, nobody cares about your car care tips. No, nope. the story, the secret, the inside inform inside information that that the behind the scenes, and it's a dirty shop. It's Bra's best. Yeah, and yeah, he's all tatted sure. up, and he's he's not even like, but he's funny. He's engaging. He tells a story all within sixty seconds, and that resonates. And you see, like people asking car care questions, and yep. you see that engagement, and it's all from the way it's delivered. It's yep. that storytelling that. The other shop owner just doesn't get it. Well, and that's where you got to make sure – because you got to identify. We've even said that too. Like there's going to be – maybe it's not you, but maybe it's somebody – maybe it's one of your technicians and you're going to pay them a little something extra um, because – Because it may not be you, yeah. Because it may not be you, but you have to be able to identify it and you have to say, hey, I want you to tell a story about how we got going, but do it your way because you're good at that. Right. I'm not. So you have to be able to identify those things and then see what your audience is consuming um, to yep. make sure you're getting – and I agree with Gary Adjust on this. necessary. N- you, no content is bad content when you're starting out from the stamp, unless it's all the same. So if you're just doing reels to try to figure out what people are watching and you're saying the exact same boring thing, reel after reel after reel, that's not what I think we're talking about when we say that not all co- – do a picture, do a reel, do, yep. a, do a live, do a story, do, a, do all of the things. And do them multiple times so you can kind of find some sort of groove. And then after a month, then you look back and you go, what worked, what didn't work, and what should I explore more in? That's right. It's it constantly changing. But work, like I get excited to sit down and do editing when I have good content. Like I've got I've got a story in my head. I'm like this yep. is going to – and 90% of the time it's just me thinking of something stupid, a stupid joke I'm going to insert in there. And I laugh and I'm the only one laughing. But you know what? I'm the one doing the work. So I'm like – I'm like, and I'm laughing the whole time. And then I watch it over and over again and laugh and laugh and laugh. And then I end up with no one ends up watching. But it's not the point. The point is what you had fun doing, what you engaged with, what you got interested in doing. Because if you find that, then – Everything comes so easy. Yes. Yeah. One thing that I see a lot with these shop owners, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just no, switching no. gears just a tiny bit here. This but is it, like, this is, we're in a, we hit the Yeah, I'm yeah. Really that, right? Yeah, so I, get, I get to talk a little bit now, which is super fun. Um, <laughs> you should, hey, I could have muted them. You just say the word, <laughs> we'll mute them. Got them off, got them off. That's it. <laughs> um, but one thing that I see um, within my other shop that I own with my husband is the fact that they're like, well, we don't need any marketing. Or work should speak for itself. And I'm just like, are you out of your freaking mind right no now? Way. Like, first of all, you were no. talking to the way wrong girl about that nonsense. And yeah. if it's all about your work, why why have a logo? Why have a name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why have anything? Like, yeah. why why have all of our guys in the same shirts? Like, don't tell me that our work is just going to speak for itself. No one's going to find you if they don't know who you are. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.